Hello, and welcome to the Outlier Podcast, the podcast for everyone who is interested in building better homes. My name is Anthony, and I am the founder and lead designer of Outlier, and I'm passionate about creating beautiful and high-performing homes. I sit down regularly to chat with industry experts to help educate Australians about the potential of creating healthy, comfortable, and energy-efficient homes. Whether you are looking to build your forever home, renovate your existing house, or simply eager to learn more, tune in every month wherever you get your podcasts. We hope you join us on this journey. I have been very fortunate with the journey of this podcast to chat with many experts and knowledgeable people. As new people come to the podcast every week, we want to take all the highlights and helpful information from previous discussions to provide them to you to assist you with your own high-performance home journey. A Redback um, comes in at about seven, seven kilowatt hours, I think, um, and it's about half the price, I'd say. I think it's about seven or $8,000 from memory, yeah. And then um, it becomes quite attractive then when you're putting solar directly into it because um, it's just a, an efficient way to go about it, yeah. Yeah, definitely don't buy a solar system unless someone's actually had a look at um, your situation so what will happen is um, sandra if you came to me and said i wanted to buy a solar system and i'd be like um that's awesome but let's figure out how what size it should be so i'll get a copy of your electricity bill um and that's got two numbers on it that i just type into powercore's website i can actually jump in have a look at your energy data so um if you're sleeping in in the morning i'll know because i'll see what time the <laughs> coffee machine goes on uh, so I'll have a look what time you're using your energy throughout the day. Now I can zoom out, look at your year as well. But the key one for me is just pick an average day in sort of September, October, um, and then have a look at your daily load profile and, um, and design your system from there. So if you're using about 20 kilowatt hours of electricity per day, then I would say you need, um, and we've got about four hours of sunlight a day, you probably need about a five kilowatt inverter to sort of cover that that needs is the old rule but um yeah with the changing landscape we'd like to get a bit more complicated than that but uh i won't bore the listeners with the ins and outs of it so i'll look at your data essentially and then i'll tell you based on how much electricity you're using i'm going to provide you with the same amount for free over the next couple of years and um, usually the system will pay for itself in about three to five maybe six years so um, wow yeah yeah, and like I'm a bit interested in like investing and finance and things like that, and uh, like the normally the return on cash is like twenty five or thirty percent a year. And so, if you invested, if you invested five thousand dollars in the ASX two hundred index, <laughs> the average return for that is seven percent a year. Top two hundred companies in Australia. And here I am with a solar system that's doing twenty five percent, which is pretty crazy. Yeah, no, that's a, a popular one that we hear as well. Um, yeah, around the $30,000 mark for connecting to mains is probably where I'd be like, oh, I'm not really sure you could go either way. Um, definitely, I would say at $50,000 to connect to the grid, um, knowing you're going to be paying $1.20 a day for the privilege of being connected to the grid every day for the rest of your life. Um, that would be it. That would be the 50 grand would be the point where I'd say it's a no-brainer to go with an off-grid system because, yeah, they're normally around, I think, I mean, it depends on so many factors, like what you're running, how many people, how big's the house, 
Oh, yeah, so many things list the length of my arm. Uh, but yeah, around like sixty, maybe fifty thousand um, dollars can get you an off-grid system, I believe. I'm not the off-grid specialist. Um, yeah, got an off-grid electrician that handles that here. Yeah, interesting one. I've actually heard of too many people that have um, been yeah super overwhelmed with um, different sizes as well. Um, but yeah, there definitely is some variance. I'll, I'll try and shed some light on, on what could be happening, I guess. So the first uh, part that we're varying is, um, yeah, the kilowatt ratings, which, which we're, that's just the size of your system. So how many panels do you need? How much electricity do you need? Um, and then, yeah, the other part is like the components of the system that drives up the cost as well. So as I was saying before, the size of your system or the kilowatt ratings should be directly linked to your usage. So you should be able to call up the person selling you the system and say, why have you actually, why do you think that's the right size system for me? Um, so they, they should be looking at your energy data as well, seeing what time you use your energy, um, what your energy is at different times of the year. So in winter, you'll use more electricity and you'll also have less sunlight. So you've got to think about that as well. Um, What's your peak demand, um, like your highest loads and things like that? If you've got a welder and stuff that you want to be covered, um, then we might need oversize for that. Um, and so if they don't have an explanation, and then, yeah, you really need to be asking questions about uh, that company. Um, but in addition to that, like in, in my defense as well, I actually look at your data, but then also stray from it. So if I looked at your data for that example before, on paper, if you're using 20 kilowatt hours a day, like a six kilowatt system would be fine, but also take the time to sit down and actually get to know the customer. So if you tell me that you're putting in a pool, you're going to buy a new split system air conditioner and you've got a Tesla on the way that you're like an electric car, um, then your energy is going to increase a lot from what I'm seeing on your data at the moment. So, and it is important. Like everything's coming electric. Like your lawnmower will be electric the next one you buy. Like, um, so many things um, are becoming more electric. It's good to allow for future room to grow. Like if you don't have kids yet, kids are going to leave the light on all the time and not know about <laughs> it. Um, and so, yes, I like to allow a bit of room for growth as well. Um, but I'm always honest and upfront and say, look, the data says this, but this is what I would recommend just to be future-proof because it is a bit expensive to come back. If you want to add to your solar system, you've got to buy a second inverter as well as just panels. So it is cheaper to just do it right the first time. So that's why we do that. Um, but yeah, just, just ask them, quiz them, get them to know what they're doing. Um, try and get them to sit down and, and spend some time with you on the sizing. Um, that'd be why there's some variance there. The, yeah, the other part is the components. Um, I think like everything in life, there's a spectrum of, of price and quality and you do get what you pay for. And that's um, certainly true here. Our standard sort of mid-range solar panels come with a 15-year product warranty. Um, but yeah, we have two options for a 25-year product warranty. Um, and so if you're going for a high-quality product, you could be getting 30, 40 years out of your solar system. That um, it, it really is. If you're in your forever home, I would really encourage people just to go for that. Just set, do it once, do it right, and never touch it again because... Um, it's just technology's come a long way and they really are bulletproof. The one thing that you will, if you're in a house for 40 years, the one thing you will have to change over at some point is your inverter. Um, so yeah, all inverters uh, that I know of have a 10 year product warranty. 
Um, it is like a, a piece of electronic equipment. So it will recycle laptop and, and batteries and, you know, things like that. They wear and tear and it's in your garage or it's outside. It's quite hot. They, they cop a beating. And um, so 10-year product warranty with the Fronius, we're expecting that to last around 15 years. The newer ones um, that came out in 2015, they're still going strong, all the ones that were installed back in 2015. So no signs of letting up anytime soon. They're actively cooled and uh, and that. But yeah, I definitely wouldn't say with any confidence that they're going to last 20 or 30 years. I think you'd have to replace those around that 15 year, 15 year mark, maybe right on the 10 year mark for the cheaper ones. But again, that's probably like $1,000, $2,000 to get that replaced. Um, so, um, so that's fine. I'm quite happy, quite confident. Uh, yeah, feel comfortable yeah. doing that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the other thing was servicing. Yeah, just get them checked every sort of two years, I would recommend. Um, yeah, just to make sure that all the cabling is, is all in good condition. There hasn't been any water that's got in anywhere or anything like that. Yeah, great question. And a bit of a spicy one out there that I, I've heard and tried to explain to people before. Um, so yeah, like I've studied sustainable systems engineering. So trying to, to engineer solutions for mankind that are actually holistic and, and thinking about circular economy and recycling and end of life and bits and pieces. So I actually did a, uh, the final project of my degree was about the life cycle of solar panels and, um, and their recycling at, at the end of their life. So um, first of all, like it is great that we're asking this question because, you know, I actually learned that, you know, as a Western society, we have a history of what we call band-aid solutions. So, you know, for transport, for example, we had the old horse and cart, and then the horses started dying by the side of the road from pulling around all our things and, and bits and pieces. So then we went to wood-fired steam engines, but then we were running out of wood. So then we were like, oh, okay, we'll, we'll have coal-powered steam engines. And now here we are, and we're like, oh, we're kind of, choking the planet now with this so we should do something else let's go to solar and so it's natural to think that you know like oh maybe that's just another band-aid solution with its own problems um but thankfully we have learned some lessons over the couple of hundred years of history that i just brushed up on then um so but uh yeah so i have actually studied what's called a life cycle assessment so you look at the um at the life at the the impacts environmental impacts throughout the life cycle. And so for a solar panel, normally, let's just use numbers that I'll sort of make up. Let's just say it requires all the mining, manufacturing and all that. Let's just say for one panel, it's about 900 kilograms of carbon dioxide equivalent emissions. That panel in its first year will create enough electricity to offset 300 kilograms of carbon dioxide emissions. So in three years, normally two to three years, um, it's saved enough emissions to to match what uh, what it produced in its uh, manufacturing and mining and things like that. So it's actually really similar to the financial aspect. Yeah, in about three years, it's um it's paid for itself both in carbon and in um, and in dollars and cents. So yes, it checks out everybody. It's uh, it's all above board. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think we should go, we should go big in solar. We should you know, go hard and, and go heavy with it. I think they should just put it up everywhere. And there's now like robots that roll out 
solar farm. So it's pretty crazy. We're getting good at rolling out solar, um, especially up in the Northern Territory and things like that. Um, I don't think it will be the be all and end all solution to the whole of Australia. Like we're never going to have enough solar power to power our steel manufacturers and and the big boys like that. Um, we're going to look. We're going to have to get sort of green hydrogen or biomethane or, or something uh, different to do that. Um, but you know, don't let perfect be the enemy of good. I say. I think yeah, just do as much as you can. Um, and yeah, I think solar and batteries will get us all a long way to where we want to be um but uh it's still a lot to to do if we wanted to completely offset our our mining and bits and pieces um but you know on the other hand we don't have to fully offset our mining because our mines are providing us with copper for our electric cars which don't produce emissions compared to our combustion engines and you know mining isn't all bad like people say it is so um yeah i think we just need to Go as, go as hard as we can, but just because we can never achieve 100% doesn't mean that we should just stop installing solar panels, you know what I mean? So uh, that we hold this solution. There's other things that go alongside solar, yeah, like batteries and biogas and um, and wind. So, um, so yeah, there's, solar isn't the, the only way to do it. I think we've all got to work together in renewables industry and We'll create a clean future and it's um it's super exciting actually love reading about all this stuff yeah it's a lot happening yeah it's anyone's guess like it's a year is like seven years in the solar industry things move very fast it's like a full-time job just trying to keep up with all the new technology but um i think i touched on virtual power plants earlier i think they're crucial um and i think a level up from that so the virtual power plant being yeah, all your batteries are connected to the grid and they'll work as one to release energy and soak it up as required. Um, I think a level up from that is when you take your electric car and you plug it into what's called a bi-directional inverter. So it goes two ways. So you can charge your car, but also charge your house and power the grid. So because you, your car has a big, big battery in it, it's an electric car. Um, and so a vehicle to grid sort of virtual power plant so i think that could really solve our issues if you imagine i was saying like we have way too much electricity produced in the middle of the day and often not enough demand for it if everyone's got their cars plugged in at their office at work and they just soak up this electric electricity from the roof of their their office or their warehouse or wherever they are then they can just drive home plug the car into their house and power their house for free um, then all that energy is being distributed. And, and so electric cars, I think, and being connected into the grid could be really cool um, if we can get that technology happening. And uh, yeah, and then just batteries. Batteries are still in their infancy in terms of being adopted, but we're really seeing the last couple of months, um, everyone, like not many people call me up just asking for a solar system anymore. They want a battery as well. So um, batteries are, are super popular and they'll only get more popular. Um, to sort of stabilize the grid. Um, yeah, we've got new monitoring software called Solar Analytics, which has changed the game in terms of being able to do heaps of things. Like it can now um, have a look at your energy usage based on how much you export to the grid and how much you use. It'll say, hey, if you switch to this energy retailer, I can tell you exactly how much you'd save. And it's completely unique to you. So it makes it really easy because energy plans are becoming hard for us humans compare so that's a really cool thing um yeah who knows who knows hope that sheds some some light on it
Yeah, exciting future, though. Yeah. The I'll start with the myths. The, the big myth is like I've, I think I've mentioned it a couple of times. But yeah, like oh, solar isn't worth it anymore because the feeding tariffs six cents. So it used to be sixty on my last system. So like maybe just scrub back to my answer on that. But basically, just use the energy yourself. And- save way more like would you rather get six cents for sending it to the grid or save 26 by not using buying it from the grid so definitely just be a bit smarter about that yeah the other one like oh batteries are too expensive there's this big thing in the industry like um people like oh no batteries are too expensive it's not worth it uh i'll wait until they get cheaper like batteries are going to get cheaper like in the last year um, you guys probably um, no better than anyone, but everything has actually gone up in the last year, like wood, steel, like everything has gone up 30%. I don't see why lithium would continue to go too much further down. So actually, like if you Google lithium prices over time, you'll see it's it's just done a big sort of arc down and sort of flattening out now. So it's really never been cheaper and the rate of decline is is decreasing. I hope that makes sense. So uh, it's not going to get cheaper very quickly. Um, so now we actually are at the perfect spot to do it. And the rebates are also reducing every year. So you want to jump in now while the rebate's still three and a half grand and, um, and make the most of it. So that's the, the other one. Well, for me, I think I look at solar as it's just part of this holistic solution to creating you know, a comfortable, healthy and durable home. Um, it's It's sort of... Yeah, it might tick a few other boxes in, in response to the, those things, such as energy efficiency. It may not tick comfortable <clears throat> unless you're going to have an air conditioning or you know an auxiliary or mechanical heating and cooling device in every room that you're living in. Um, but it, uh, it certainly starts to play with the healthy aspect as well. It's not going to prevent, by having solar panels, it won't prevent um, a reduction of air quality internally, that's for sure, <laughs> if you've got some moisture issues in your bathroom um, and mold growth. And yeah, that's, yeah. So to me, I, I see it as part of the overall um, as opposed to, yeah, um, sort of being the, the one or solution to not having to worry about those things. I'll just add on top of that. Like I had a customer who had a, just a standard new build home and had this massive add-on refrigerant air conditioning system. And I looked at the sticker on it and it draws like 4.6 kilowatts of electricity. And so the standard solar inverter is five kilowatts. So it's like a, a typical solar system for that guy would just cover his air conditioner. And so if you could create a house that doesn't need that much cooling, <laughs> then you could actually save money by getting a small solar system. This guy had to get like a 10 kilowatt solar system because he needs a house plus an air conditioner, which is a huge load. So get a cheaper solar system if it doesn't need to do as much for it as well. Yeah, awesome. All right, I think... That's it. That's our long list of questions. Um, super insightful. Thank you so much for your time and for explaining everything in, in really easy to understand terms. Um, I think I've learned a lot. I hope uh, our listeners have learned a lot. If there are any more questions, um, feel free to reach out to us. Feel free to reach out to Ben. We'll have all the details um, linked in our episode notes. Um, and yeah, exciting times ahead, I, I hope, for, for the solar industry and for sustainable systems i hope yeah and you guys certainly are doing it sustainably i couldn't believe in the last episode i listened to you said you design your room so that there's less plaster off cut and stuff like that's that's just amazing you guys so you're ticking all the boxes for me it's a bit of a green thumb so yeah keep doing what you're doing guys and um stay in touch yeah
Absolutely. Yeah, no, I look forward to chatting more about it all, Ben. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Outlier Podcast. You can find helpful links and contact information regarding this episode in our show notes and on our website, outlierstudio.com.au forward slash podcast. If you like our show, please leave a review and make sure you subscribe to never miss a new episode. If you have further questions for us or would want to share some additional feedback, please feel free to DM us on Instagram or Facebook. Until next time on the Outlier Podcast.